So, hot take. Yes. I like Muppets from Space. <laughs> you can't throw that at me out of nowhere and expect me to be able to handle it emotionally. Do you dislike Muppets from Space of like everyone else? Of course I dislike else? Muppets in Space. It's terrible. I like it. It's so Fun. bad. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It is the last of what I consider pure Muppet Muppet movies. Okay. The modern stuff, kind of the like... The reboot. The reboot. Mm-hmm. The first one was enjoyable. The second mm-hmm. one was just awful. No, it wasn't. But it was great. Not, uh... But it started wrong. I got a hobby horse here. Okay. We got something. I actually think the second Muppet reboot, while not up to the caliber of some of the old ones, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's no great Muppet caper. Yeah. I think it's a legit good Muppet movie. But here's my thing. And maybe it's not for you. It took the whole movie to get me back after the opener. We've talked about this before. It's one of the er examples of what I call the Newt Principle. Okay. Which I think I've mentioned before, so I won't go into too much depth. Mm -hmm. But Aliens, the movie, is all about Ripley saving Newt Newt Mm -hmm. and the dude, right? It's like Ripley becoming a protector as the expert of these aliens and stepping into the role of fighting for people. This Mm -hmm. is like what she spends the whole movie doing. It's her arc, and she accomplishes it by saving Newt. Newt. Yeah. Alien 3 starts with Newt having died in between movies off screen. And when you do something like that, you undermine your previous story so much that then you have to play catch up the rest of the way. And this is one of the examples. The Muppets 2... Muppets of the room. most wanted. Most wanted. It undermined all the emotional investment we'd given to the first movie by making it, if you remember the opening scene, they pretend that the two human characters in the previous one, I'm trying to remember the actors. Yeah. But, Seth something? And yeah. It pretends they were actors in a Muppet thing and none of their emotional journey happened. Mm. And just checks out, right? I just yeah. immediately checked out. But the actual story of like a fake Kermit imitating Kermit poorly and the jokes of that and real Kermit being in a gulag is actually really funny. It works in a classic Muppet manner, but, and the songs are actually good. Tina Fey is great in it. Like everything about that movie should work if it didn't kick us out and ruin it in the opening by like singing, we're going to do a sequel. These characters didn't matter. This will be bigger and better. And everyone's just checked out because we're like, we had a really emotional journey with these two new characters, you know, the human character and his Muppet Mm -hmm. brother. Yeah. And now that's meaningless. And I think it's new principle. I think if you watched it again and pretended you didn't have any emotional investment in those, you will seriously enjoy. So what you're saying is I have to actually finish it this time. Yeah. Because I checked out after, I think I gave it 40, 45 minutes because I hated it so much. Yeah. If you skip the opening and pretend it's just a classic (laughs) Muppet movie, like it's a good premise. Let's replace Kermit with a fake Kermit. And it's really obviously a fake Kermit, but no one else can tell. Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's just, it's classic Muppets hijinks. And let's put real Kermit in a Russian gulag and have him figure out how to escape okay it's a russian gulag run by tina fey yes Mm -hmm. which should work i was so disappointed to hate that movie as much as i did so i think it's all in setup that's really what i think what's your pitch for muppets in space then i hadn't seen a muppet movie in a while and i think gonzo is funny (laughs) and i think pepe the prawn is funny 
and I saw it at 2 a.m. with my friends. It wasn't 2 a.m. It was like midnight, yeah. last showing at the theater. Mm-hmm. And we just laughed uproariously the entire time. Hmm. And every time I see that movie now, I remember that wonderful experience. Of, yeah. See, of, part of my problem yeah. with it is, uh-huh. A, I don't think Pepe the Prawn is funny. Okay, if you don't like Pepe the Prawn, then that movie, yeah. that just movie's right like- right off the bat. Yeah. Hey, it's our new character. He's really funny. Do oh. you like him? Yeah, I don't think he is funny. Uh-huh. I am astonished when other people think he is funny. Okay. Also, I thought that as much as I love Gonzo, uh-huh. it ruined Gonzo. It didn't let him be chaotic and weird. It tried to come up with reasons why his chaotic weirdness was actually very normal and meaningful. It tried and to give him an emotional arc. Yeah, it took a lot of his flavor and texture away and kind of flattened him in yeah. terms of characterization. I'm okay with that to an extent because I like how like the Muppet movies have done that for all the other characters, right? Mm. The Muppet show, they're just... Yeah, they don't really have characters in yes. the Muppet show. They just are archetypes they're the archetypes and they're they're everyone's chaos and kermit keeps them together mm-hmm. and the first muppet movie is like no no no, we're gonna delve into backstory and give actual characters to you know to kermit and to fozzy and then as the movies continue as we do muppets take manhattan and the great muppet caper we do that more and more And so when we get to Muppets from Space, Gonzo's kind of been left out of this, and he's always wanted, right? (laughs) The movie Gonzo Mm -hmm. has kind of always wanted this, even without stating it. TV Gonzo, no. But movie Gonzo, it's like everyone's getting depth and backstory and characterization, and they're becoming different people. Well, Muppets through the course of the movies Mm -hmm. where you're getting these emotional moments, which you don't really get in the show. It's yeah. not about connecting it's to Kermit, that. you know, and big dreams and friendship and all of this stuff. And the movies are. And so I'm okay with it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm okay with jumping into that and then alternating, hopefully, we didn't get any more, but with things like Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol, where it's like now the Muppets are actors in doing this and they can just be their archetypes and funny because the emotional beats yeah. can be the human characters that they're playing off of. And does that make sense? Like, I'm okay with- it makes sense that I can see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. For me, it didn't land properly. Mm -hmm. Even in the first Muppet movie, Gonzo has the song, right? I'm going to go back there someday, which is incredibly touching and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And by the time we get to Muppets in Space, those same emotions coming from him just come off very maudlin to me. And so, yes, they were trying to give him depth and give him a real character. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, it didn't work. And they just kind of took his uniqueness away. Mm -hmm. The spark that made him interesting was gone. But, oh, well. What a wonderful world it would have been if we would have had (laughs) more Jim Henson. Mm -hmm. And we would have had a couple of Muppet Treasure Island type movies. Kind followed of a literary by classic yeah. Muppet edition. Followed by a here's the Muppets going through their own character arcs and growing as people, and then going back to, and now they can be silly again, and we can do Muppet Pride and Prejudice, like we joked about in one of our yeah. early episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, what a wonderful yeah. world that would have been. It's an interesting thing to think about because I mm-hmm. think for the most part, yeah. the Muppets are more interesting 
when they are just being weird and goofy. Okay. Kermit is the exception to that. He's a straight man, so he has he, to. He is the yeah. straight man. He is the one who I'm willing to accept him as a character and everyone around him as an archetype because we get to see his growth in the first one. Mm-hmm. And then in Muppets Take Manhattan, it's basically the same story again, but Broadway this time. Yep. Here's the earnest one. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is about being earnest and trying to create art for the world. And everyone around him is just kind of weird. So, yeah, but I think Fozzie has legit character moments and things as well, right? For example? So he's becoming a friend with Kermit, right? Like their first meetings and things like that. Like these are, yes, he's participating in Kermit's story and stuff like that. But I don't know, maybe it's just because I can see beyond to Frank Oz and like see their characters as the two actors play off of each Mm -hmm. other. I just, I see a little bit more there. Yeah. But you're right. I don't want, like, whatever the guy who throws hmm. fish is, I don't want his backstory. New Zealand. Yeah. I don't want a deep thing <laughs> for him and character journey. Yeah. Now that we're talking about it in these mm-hmm. terms, we do get into some of these other characters and we learn more about them. But I think Kermit and Gonzo, because of Muppets in Space, yeah. might be the only ones who are POV main characters. Right. Who have a backstory and stuff yeah. like that, too. Yeah. See, but... We've gone around in circles on that one. <laughs> Let's kind of go a different direction on this. What's your opinion on the two kind of great literary classic ones that we got? I know they did another one that was like a TV movie, and I haven't seen it. What is it? What did they do? I'm trying to remember. I, I think know. They I feel did like Treasure it, Island. They did Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Those are the two I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, what are your opinions on those? I am on record as being the one a-hole who doesn't really love Muppet Christmas Carol. Wow. It was not a part of my childhood, so I have no nostalgia Mm -hmm. for it. I was an adult by the time it came out. And it's not my favorite Christmas Carol adaptation. I don't dislike it, Mm -hmm. but it was a few years ago when I realized everyone else other than me absolutely loves and reveres it, whereas Mm -hmm. for me, it's solidly mid-tier Muppets. Okay. It is not a must-see Christmas movie for me. It's just kind of... Oh, I mean, yeah, they made this thing. I don't have must-see movies, so I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> but I really like it. I think the music's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I think it's Michael Caine, right? Like, it's Michael, Michael Caine. Caine is just such a good Scrooge. And he leans all the way into it. Yeah. He is acting as if everyone else was a human actor around him. He doesn't pretend like yep. he's in a Muppet movie. Yep, and, and that that's works. what always makes it work, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, like Charles Grodin in Great Muppet Caper, mm-hmm. falling in love with Miss Piggy. Yeah. At no point is he like, these are Muppets. This is weird. No, he treats it like a real thing. So yeah, there's, like I said, there's things I like about it. There's things that don't. I actually don't like the music very much. Okay. But you know, the Albert Finney musical Scrooge is my favorite version of Christmas Carol. Okay. And this is a pale shadow in comparison. Okay. That is absolutely a minority opinion, but... Well, I mean, people come here for your bad takes, so <laughs> sound off in the comments if you come here for Dan's bad takes. Yeah. Muppet Treasure Island mm-hmm. is about the same for okay. me. Like, it's mid-tier Muppets. It's not terrible. It has some really great jokes. Mm-hmm. It does some fun things that I think are cool. Yeah. Tim Curry is phenomenal in it. I have but... not seen a bad Tim Curry performance, so. Yeah. Yeah. No one can chew scenery like Tim Curry, <laughs> and he chews it well. Mm-hmm. 
I need to show that one to my kids. I think they would enjoy that one. They've really only seen Christmas Carol because we've turned that on for them. They haven't seen any of the old classics. Yeah, so. see, I just, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, finally got around to showing my kids uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay. And they enjoyed it. They didn't love it. What's your favorite of the three originals? Muppet Caper. Okay, that's my favorite. Also. I think that's absolutely mm-hmm. the best top tier Muppet movie it of has all time. The best structure and mm-hmm. it has the wildest performances and yeah. it has the real. The ending is just so insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the running gag of Fozzie and Kermit being twins and yes. people can't tell them apart is so brilliant. It and is so really funny. Good. Yeah, and very subtly laced throughout. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite one. I do have to say my 12-year-old, mm-hmm. he dropped an absolute solid joke a couple days after we watched Muppets Take Manhattan uh-huh. because he thought it was so funny that they have the big giant wedding at the end of that one and it's ostensibly part of a Broadway show. And then a couple of days later, we were talking about something else completely different and I made a joke that one of the guys that my daughter likes, my 17-year-old, looks kind of like a Muppet. And Lincoln, out of nowhere, he said, oh, well, if you marry her, that's going to be expensive because Muppet weddings are huge. And I was like, dude, that is an A-plus callback reference. I was very proud. There's a really good documentary on YouTube about Jim Henson's life. Mm. It's told in, I think it was Defunct Land who made it, which is, it's a theme park YouTube channel. Yeah. But that is, as a lot of YouTube channels as they've, they've aged and grown, have gotten successful and added production value and added production value and added production value to the point that they did a whole sequence. It's like a six half hour episode sequence of documentaries on Jim Henson's life. That's cool. And it's fantastic. Highly recommend it. It added a whole lot of new context for me about all of this and kind of his aspirations. And I'd always imagine Jim Henson is like, puppets are the thing. This is what I'm all about. And it wasn't. Puppets were the means by which he was doing the things he wanted to do. But he had really grand aspirations. And he kind of almost fell into using puppets to get there. Mm. And he was definitely more Lucas-like in that regard than I knew. Well, okay, then let's talk about the kind of non-Muppet Muppets, Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Yeah. What are your thoughts on I love them both. Like, Dark Crystal is so cool. Mm -hmm. And, like, we got so few in the 80s legit epic fantasy stories. And the ones that we did get, the special effects just could not live up to the dreams of the filmmakers. And this is in part because no one would give them the budgets because of this. And so the few that were really good and worked were treasures to me as a young man. Speaking basically, like there's really only of epic fantasy, Dark Crystal, and then Willow in the early 90s, late 80s, whenever that happened, when you got like, hey, it can actually work. And mm-hmm. even like Kroll and Beastmaster and stuff, I would watch because it's yeah. like, oh, it could be. Clash of the Titans, yes. mm-hmm. all these things that were almost what I wanted, yeah, but not quite. Dark Crystal, that's when Henson was working with Brian Froud mm-hmm. and their combined world building and the freedom because they're working with puppets rather than human actors to just be able to show the weirdest 
things that didn't look like bad effects yeah. because they were all so cohesive. They fit together so well. Having the main characters also be puppets instead of humans surrounded by all these weird things yep. was absolutely the right thing because then it all looked like yeah. a cohesive and it's, whole. I mean, the world building's legit cool. Like mm-hmm. the Skeksis are easy to remember the name, but I think the other ones are just called something like monks or it's no, like so they it's had like a real they thing. had a name, but there's like they're like mystics or mystics, yeah. yeah. Like it's just some real word. Yeah. And then you've got this cool fantasy world word for the other. So yeah. <laughs> but the idea of the good and evil having been split apart and needing to be rejoined mm-hmm. against the evil's desires and you know, draining life force to stay young and all of this stuff. It was just, you yeah. know, visually arresting, but also worked really well as an interesting epic fantasy yeah. premise. The story was great. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance or I whatever? I did, and it didn't work for me, despite it being, like, technically amazing. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's been a little while since I watched it. Yeah, it's, so it's been, what, three years, yeah, four? But I gave it two chances. I watched two episodes and then came back and watched two more. And mm-hmm. then I was done. And I think part of it was, I think it was mostly the writing. The writing wasn't jiving for me. The characters weren't clicking. I think it might have involved too much jumping between viewpoints. That was, I think, its biggest flaw. Mm-hmm. I thought that they did a pretty good job with a lot of the storytelling on there. Every character's individual plot was good. Okay. And our friend Margaret, she was one of the writers in the room. I don't think she was ever lead writer on an episode. But yeah, it was very much falling into that kind of Game of Thrones thing where it's like, we're going to tell 20 different stories all at the same time. And we didn't really ever get time to invest in any of them because there were too many and because... I think a lot of the puppets were indistinguishable, frankly. Yeah. That was definitely a problem for me. Yeah. I didn't feel like I could bond to them. And I, as a rule, don't like prequels. Mm. Now, I remember watching this and being like, oh, I can see how they're doing this. They're going to make it. It's dramatic irony. We mm-hmm. know where it's going. The characters don't. And we don't know how it's going to happen. But I remember like so much of it didn't make a lot of sense world building wise for me. I would have to watch again, but I remember distinctly watching an episode where everyone's like, this is the great mayor that we have to, they're wonderful. And then it's like a Skeksis. He comes on, he's like so evil and Mm -hmm. so just (laughs) obvious, like the whole get up for him. Like it's like warts all over his face using the whole ugly equals evil thing a little too much. And I'm like, this is not a surprise to anyone <laughs> with half a brain that this is, oh, this is evil. This and is they're a heading toward, a, and and I'm like, well, what's the story about then? We know that these are the bad guys and it's now no mm-hmm. longer dramatic iron. Like if this glorious, gorgeous, beautiful being had come and I'm like, oh, that's, I know what's going to happen. That's yeah. one thing that I wish they had done. And yeah. in general, I really liked the show. Okay. Even before I knew that my friend was one of the writers on it, mm-hmm. I thought that it worked I thought they took it in some interesting places. I enjoyed watching it. However, yeah. one thing that they were doing, and I feel like they only did it halfway, was the Skeksis that we see in the movie yeah. are very much the faded glory of a yeah. dying civilization. Exactly. They are clinging to what used to be opulence mm-hmm. and is now just depressing. 
And I wish that they had done that with the visual look of the Skeksis as well. If they had in the past had actual, you know, more feathers and bright colors and they had looked as glorious as they think they are, then I could have believed, oh, yes, these are the people who have ruled civilization forever and everybody reveres them and these stupid Gelflings kind of go along with it. But just straight up showing us the same Skeksis we've already seen didn't really work. And they were mean and they were... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, and if they were just secretly evil but yeah. visually beautiful, yeah, that would have sold everything. And that kind so of, much that better. one kind of killed it for me when that moment happened because I'm like, oh. Anyway, but love Dark Crystal, love Labyrinth. Yeah. Love Fraggle Rock. See, Fraggle Rock because mm-hmm. it was on cable. Yeah. I've never really seen. Huh? Every time they would do a special, like a Christmas mm-hmm. special or something, and there'd be one scene with the Fraggles, that was my only experience yeah. with the Fraggles. Labyrinth, you know, I've said many times that I'm deeply in love with Jennifer Connelly. Yep. That's all started with Labyrinth. I thought that they did such a great job there. But yeah, Fraggle Rock, I never really saw. So we've got a few minutes left. The reboot. You liked the reboot a lot. I did. I liked mm-hmm. the reboot. Yeah. It took me a while to get my head around it mm-hmm. and kind of come to terms with what they were doing. Part of it is it bothered me and it still kind of bothers me on a weird level that there were human main characters to it. Okay. Because humans have always been present but peripheral to the stories being yeah. told. Yeah. This was about a human. Yeah. And his Muppet brother. Mm-hmm. So... The moment in the movie where it gelled for me and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I see what they're doing and I love it, is when we see Sheldon from Big Bang Theory as the human version of the Muppet brother. First of all, because it was flawless casting. Yeah. In hindsight, they made the Muppet kind of sort of look like him in ways where you're able to go, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And then I was like, okay, this works. Prior to that, the whole thing just felt like, these people just wanted to put themselves in a Muppet movie. I liked it for the same reason, not quite on the level of the Lego movie, but doing the same thing where it's a story about the subtext is mm-hmm. this guy grew up loving the Muppets and now is trying to, you know, work with the Muppets and bring them, the actor himself, bring them to the yeah. forefront. What is his place in that? He's a human. And it's kind of the story about nostalgia and the things we love and the nature of reboots. In the same way, the Lego movie is kind of about playing with Legos and our connection to them and yeah. things like that. So It did come out during that period where yeah. Gen X was desperately grappling with nostalgia as a concept. Yeah. So, yeah. I had to suspend my disbelief. Well, that's the wrong term. It did the one thing that I don't like when legacy sequels do. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they do it, but the whole the Muppets broke apart. Her Kermit is oh. miserable and mean. Is not too far a step off from you know Luke Skywalker gave up on the Jedi and became a recluse and lost mm-hmm. all of his sense of hope for the world, which is not too far off from what we see in a lot of these things. Like we have a story to tell. There's got to be conflict. So all your happy endings are done. Those have been thrown out. Mm, and these I, people fell apart. I accepted it in the Muppets better than I did in some of the others, but it irked me. 
Did you watch any of the modern Muppet shows? They did yeah, uh, the Muppets reboots. Tonight in the 90s. Then they had Muppets Now, I think was the name of their I watched talk the 90s show. one. I didn't watch The Office Muppets as The Office. Yeah. Hey, Donald, was there not a TV movie or something where they did another literary property? From what I had seen... I swear that there was one. Muppets movies. I hope there was one. That I miss, but I could be remembering wrong. What's it? Wizard of Oz. There you go. That's what it was. Oh, I remember that one. I didn't see it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I saw it, and it was like, oh, okay. Mm. They got to do something with these characters. Oh, wait. We've forgotten something. We've forgotten something very important that the comment section would scream at us for. Okay. Gone Fishing. Weezer. Oh, the Weezers. Isn't it called Gone Fishing? <laughs> yeah, they're on Gone Fishing. Yeah. Which the music video for that is yeah. like an old Muppet Show episode. Yep. Yeah. What about Dinosaurs? Did you I did watch, watch that? I watched all of Dinosaurs because I remember the pilot and I remember the finale where they all die. <laughs> where they all die in a yeah. meteor. Mm-hmm. Yep. I loved Dinosaurs. Yeah, I thought they did such a cool job with that. Basically, like all in the family, but mm-hmm. with giant puppets. Yeah, I really like dinosaurs. I watched it pretty consistently all through the '90s when it was on. Mm-hmm. So nice work on dinosaurs. Yeah, Are there any other really important Muppet things? That what we have we missed? Sesame Street. Mention but Sesame Street. I was yeah. not a Sesame Street kid. Weren't? No, nope. everyone our nope. age was a Sesame Street. I kid. wasn't. I was, crazy. A, I was watching G.I. Joe and stuff like that, not mm-hmm. watching Sesame Street. I think for whatever reason, like I didn't watch it when I was a toddler. Hmm. And so, you know, Elmo and Grouchland so and stuff like, like that. Huge cultural moments like when everyone learned Snuffleupagus was real. I knew that happened because it was in the news and stuff. But yeah. that was when we were like teenagers. Yeah. So I still watched Sesame Street far longer than I developmentally needed to. Okay. Because I was a deeply obsessed Muppets fan. Okay. I think, like, number one, it was too young for me. Mm-hmm. Number two, they repeated segments so much that even when I was just above the age group, I'm like, I've seen this well, so I've many times. I've seen this song before. Why, why do they keep doing this? So Yeah. I didn't want to be educated. I want to see <laughs> giant robots shoot each other. Favorite Muppet. Favorite Muppet. Sounds like we both agree favorite Muppet movie is Caper. Yes, Caper is the best. Do you have a favorite Muppet? Probably Gonzo. Probably, yeah. Yeah, gun to my head, I might say Gonzo too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Muppet show guest? No, because I'm going to admit something. I watched a lot of the Muppet show during an initial run. Mm-hmm. And when it came out on DVDs, Jordo, my brother, bought it. And we sat down and watched a bunch of the episodes. I couldn't handle the laugh track. Yeah, Laugh track sounds so fake to me now in mm-hmm. my ears that it just gets under my skin. And I couldn't take it. I managed to get through like three or four episodes when he watched the whole yeah. run. And I have never watched another episode. Muppet show is not a series that mm-hmm. wants to be binged. Yeah. It's too much all at once. It doesn't mm-hmm. really hang together. And I know the, the laugh track is part of the joke in The Muppets. They're mm-hmm. using it very deliberately. But anytime I see one of those old shows, and as soon as I become aware of the laugh track, it's all I pay attention to. And it becomes like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Okay, I'm changing my answer. I think Gonzo used to be my favorite Muppet. Uh-huh. But now I am absolutely Statler and Waldorf. If okay. I can choose the two of them together, because yeah, yeah, they never appear individually, yeah. they have become my favorite Muppets. 
I mean, I also empathize with Kermit a lot. <laughs> and so... As the leader of a company full yes. of creative weirdos that need to be kept in line. And I'm one of the creative weirdos some of the time, mm-hmm. right? But I am sometimes the straight man, right? Even back at Leading Edge and yeah. things like that. It's like, all right, I'm the responsible one. Let's make sure this actually happens. <laughs> actually and, produce a magazine. Yeah, so. Okay, well, hip, hip, hooray. How's that, Ben?